Welcome back. It's part two of the Ted Sobel episode. The guy has so many stories, we had to bring him back for a second hour. And if you're wondering, Adam, why are you wearing a different outfit than you were just uh, last week when you were having the exact same conversation? I mean, that's show business, baby. We're uh, actually taping the intro to part two right before we tape the Maddie Higgins episode. Just try to follow along. You'll figure it all out. You suck! Thanks. Uh, that's my resident guest, Ryan Engel. I got to get back and uh, change clothes back into what I was wearing last week somehow and talk to Ted Sobel. All right, thank you. Let's do this. Oh, hi there. I'm just uh, reading from this wonderful book, Touching Greatness, by author Ted Sobel, who happens to be our guest. If you watched part one, thank you very much. We're now going to pick up the conversation in part two. We've got so much to talk to Ted about uh, in his book. And for all of you Tiger fans like myself... We're going to get into Ted's long-storied history with Tiger Woods, which begins, Ted, in 1992. That is correct. At Riviera Country Club in the beautiful Pacific Palisades, just north of Santa Monica. Riviera plays host to the LA Open, which is now the Genesis Open. I can see my co-host really wants to say something. So, Ryan, what would you like to say? I believe it was the Nissan Open back then, was it not? I'm pretty sure you're correct. Uh, Fun fact for the golf gearheads out there. That tournament in which he played as an amateur, um, Tiger was playing the Ping I-2 irons. Just wanted that? to let you know that. So that I would not have remembered. <laughs> let's talk about 1992. Yes. Tiger Woods is 16 years old. He's out of Cypress, California, which is here in Orange County where we are. He is a local kid. He's coming over as a high schooler. Orange County-ish. Take it right easy. It's right on the border. Yeah. I live. Alamitos, right? It's <laughs> yeah. like... Like, depends on what side of the racetrack you're on, I think. Look at him. He's just so sick. Okay. I live on the border of Orange County, and we claim Orange County. And Of course you would. I live in Orange... I just voted today, September 14th. What are you, you're from Seattle. You don't even know what they do. Yeah, Look, it doesn't matter This doesn't mean anything to yeah, you. It doesn't matter. Anyway. You just live here. <laughs> All right. Yes. This is a great segment already, yeah, Ted. I love this. <laughs> Tiger Woods, 16 years old, making his PGA Tour debut at Riviera Country Club. He is 16. He is playing as an amateur. Ted Sobel, not only are you there to witness this, you are there at Riviera in 1992 to see Tiger Woods, but you are having a conversation with Sam Snead, who at the time, the natural, who at the time had 82 wins. And at that no, time, not according to him. Uh, according, according to him, him it was 100. about 125. Okay. According to the history books, yes. 82 wins. Yes. Sam Snead, 82 wins. At that time, Tiger Woods, zero wins. Exactly. You are there for the very, very, Unbelievable. very beginning. First swing. And not only are you there, but you're talking to the guy that Tiger Woods would eventually run down and tie. What do you remember about that day? You write about it in the book, Touching Greatness, Chapter 14, Tracking Tiger, which uh, is a great chapter, my favorite. Uh, what do you remember about that day? Well, it's not just that day. It was that week because I was also at Media Day. So I believe it was Ted Treba was the other guy there uh, at Media Day. <clears throat> and he was sort of like, wow, who's this Tiger Woods guy? We already knew that he had something good going, but he's 16 years old. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, so I got a chance to be there at that Media Day and just get a little feel for... Okay, the the buzz is really coming. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't just that. Because once the tournament started, I had never been to a tournament where Entertainment Tonight was there. Crazy. Yeah, Hollywood Reporter was there. It's like, what are you doing here? He's a kid. 
you know, and I, I'm personally sort of turned off by that because mm-hmm. it's like you're, you're overhyping something because I've seen too many hypes that turn to fizzle out and just right down the toilet. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that wasn't anything about Tiger. I didn't, you know, everybody's different. But still, it was just, it was a little bit too much for me. It was a little nauseating, to yeah. be honest with you. And, you know, it's, it's bad enough when you got to deal with just golf writers and reporters. Now you got, like, tons of people there. I, I couldn't believe how many people were credentialed to this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, uh, so before he went to the first tee, I remember we were talking to Sam Snead. Uh, I believe it was between the first, the first fairway and uh, the second fairway. I mean, at number three, right? Coming back the other way. Oh, yeah. Right? It's got that cool side hill, number three. Right, does, exactly. Yeah. So we were talking to Sneed, and he was a little cocky, you know. How, how, if you don't mind me interrupting, how, how was he? Was he a good dude? Was he? Well, I, I didn't know him. I just was he fun to talk to, or was he? Yeah, he was fun to talk to. He was uh, you know, very old school. He's a southern guy, the, yeah. the drawl, the whole thing. Always wearing the hat, the, the straw videos, hat. You know? All the old videos, he seemed very smiley and very, Yeah, he, you know, he was all right. Yeah. Uh, he was... You know, I think he was different when you played against him or with him uh-huh. than when you just spoke to him as a media guy. Because yeah. I think he was he was he's he can competitive. Be a, very competitive. Very he could be a bit of a badass at times right. on the course, but that's fine. That's who he was. Yeah. It's no big deal. Yeah. You know, it's like it you want to win. Him. Yeah, you uh-huh. want to win, right? Who gives a damn? Whatever works. What as long as you're not cheating, right? What did Sam have to say about Tiger that day? Yeah, that day he said um, he looks really good. You know, it was one of these we'll see kind of things mm. you know he looks really good and i'm impressed and he, you know, he just had the most natural smooth swing that sam enjoyed but it wasn't refined right it's funny you say that because you were there yeah obviously i was not but uh, <laughs> i've seen the footage and it's you know all the recycled footage of it yeah but there's that where he's warming up on the range and you know, Fuzzy, Norman, all these other guys, they're sitting there watching him. Could you imagine being a 16-year-old kid with fucking entertainment tonight there yeah. and all the media stuff? The pressure this guy had and all the old pros, they're coming here to watch this kid warm up. Yeah. You know, and it's and just... to me, pressure, the word pressure is... And distraction. I, I distraction. hate that word. Yeah. Distraction is the most overused word by reporters on this planet. It mm. despi- I despise it like you can't believe because... Everything is a distraction. If if you're an athlete, you got to play whatever the hell you play. It, like the, the whole world's a distraction. Just do what you got to do out there. Yeah. Okay, I think it's overblown. But in this case, as a teenager, you are a thousand percent right, right. And it gets to the point too where you see him go to the tee. He looked a little nervous to that first tee on, yeah. on number one. But you know what? Boom! Right down the slots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was great. But the thing was that not only did I talk to Sam Snead, but I talked to Earl Woods wow. beforehand. Okay, and Earl is saying, "Okay, you just don't know how good he is." Okay, yeah. you don't. You, you're not. And Earl's he's going to make the cut, in, which he didn't. Um, but he's a dad, so that's fine. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's not a normal dad. No, no, he's not a normal. Dad, he was he, comparing his son to he, Nelson Mandela he, early on. Gandhi. Gandhi. Earl. It was Gandhi. Yes. He manifested that kid to greatness just as much as Tiger's talent did. Well, and here's what I'll say about Earl. Um, I do believe that when you have any kind of knowledge of how Tiger grew up with Earl and with Coltita, who doesn't get enough credit no for doubt. what she did. Great, um, great point. Great point. Uh, these two people, they took childhood away from this boy. Yes, they did. They took it away. 
there was no resemblance of any childhood that any three a of normal us, child a normal know, childhood. It's so sad. He's got this mansion. On Would you take it easy? Florida. Here's here's my point. My point is not the mansions or the wealth or <laughs> the accolades. Or <laughs> yeah, too bad. Uh, it's it's not, life, it's not everything that he's gained from it. Because you and I have spoken off the air that rich people would trade all that in just to have some real friends and some real conversation. Sure. My big tiger take is when the world expected him to be a normal human being in his late 20s and early 30s and when he went through the He was scandal, never normal. How could he, he be? Exactly. He has never once in his life been a normal person. So why would we expect it this far down the road? Like, Well, you know what? The problem with that was... Nike. He, no, no, no. <laughs> Look, forget the money and the corporate okay. stuff. He was entitled by people around him. That's always. Yeah. Always. All, and the guys still there still entitle him. And it's it's wrong. Just to kiss somebody's ass, just to keep your job, in my mind, is, you know, that's your life. Do whatever you want. Yeah. You're not helping your guy out at all here. Right. Totally. But okay? I don't think that Tiger ever asked for the ass kissing. I think it just came because people didn't want to lose being around him because they knew he was on a rocket ship to the moon. Of course. This is the Michael Jordan of golf. This is the Muhammad Ali of golf. Like we need to be as close to this guy for as long as possible. It's true, but yeah, look, I can't get into his mind and his heart. Who the hell knows right. what's going on inside but, if he ever felt guilty of that. I mean, who knows? Doesn't even matter, but he would never tell us. That was the problem. He he not only didn't have a normal childhood, but he didn't have a normal way about about communicating whether it was his feelings or anything. It was sort of a computerized tiger when he was with the media. Yeah. Now, again, he could do whatever he wanted, and he turned out pretty damn good. But separate from that, there's nothing normal about right. that. There's nothing. And by the way, when you say he's computerized and calculated, I agree with you on that. But I don't think that's him. I think that's his upbringing. I think that's Earl. I think Earl had it in him from an early I, age. I don't, I don't think you can peg any one thing wholeheartedly on anything. No, it's, I think it's, it's all of the say, above. It's all of the above, but I think it's also safe to say my hot take on that is he's in a classification that's like Prince and Michael Jackson, and it's almost like his talent was so extraordinary that he was essentially... Uh, an an artist and and an artist of that level whether it's beethoven or you know to be that good at any one thing you kind of have to be a little bit weird you know and and he had that definitely he had that he was a fucking straight a student and like he was he, he was essentially a super nerd you know like he had superpowers you took the word out of my mouth you know what i mean he was he was a nerd deluxe yeah and he had nothing that, you know, with the women stuff. I mean, he was a nerd who played golf. Yeah. And they, when he played golf in school, it, in, in high school, that was not the thing to do there. No, no, no. I no, mean, it's yeah. like you play no. golf, let's yeah. start laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You okay, know? all right, fair enough. But if you know Tiger's background in high school, he did have a girlfriend in high school yes. where when he would go over to her house, he would experience real life. He normalcy. would experience normalcy. He would experience fun. There are home videos of him losing his mind, laughing, dancing. I've seen those. It was almost as if you see this kid. Those aren't the home videos I saw. Well, take it easy. <laughs> take it easy. You, it was almost as if you saw this kid experiencing real life. No question. For the first time. And then the story goes, and I'm not making this up, that that girl, and I'm sorry that I don't know her name. I have seen something. Somebody interviewed her a few years ago, I think. Yeah, and HBO got her yeah. for the oh, that's right. supplement that's yeah. to the documentary. Which was really good. It, it was a nice addition. It was. That girl was broken up with by Tiger through a letter 
that many people think that Earl himself wrote because Tiger was on the ascend and it was like you were cutting everything out of your life that is in golf. And this was from... Was it a smart decision? Well, yes, of course. Because what you're a fan of what? How great he was on the golf course. Exactly. Right? I'm not a fan of him, the person. I'm a right. fan of him, the golfer. But as would he have won all those tournaments? Yeah. He'd been that good had no. he stayed with that girl. No, look, the, you could argue everything you're saying is 100% correct. So I will fully admit that <laughs> Earl and Coltita and what they did to this child and this teenager and this young man uh, is responsible for why everyone, including myself, likes him because we got to experience the greatness. But then once you get past all that and you start to look back at the childhood, you realize for anyone to expect this guy to be any kind of normal, it's like expecting a robot to be normal. He never, ever, ever had a childhood, ever. Well, it's, it's all true. Look, again, uh, you know, we could uh, dissect everything in his entire life, and it doesn't really matter because most of it's not going to be real because we don't know what's going on inside. Yeah. It, you know, it's all whatever's inside is what matters. It's what what he felt at the time is what matters. We don't know, and he would never tell us. What I talk about in the book, from this first swing at Riviera to winning at the Masters the last time, and I fortunately was there too for that. Just the idea that he's evolved as a person finally yeah. is a great thing. Yeah, you know because. I talked to him dozens and dozens and dozens of times, and he was always cordial. He yeah. was never a jerk or anything, but he never really said anything. Yeah, it was yeah. always about the And golf. by the way, sometimes, well, not even just that. Sometimes at his tournament at Sherwood, we would get him a little bit, pri- like, you know, because he always had like 15 people yeah. around him, right? But sometimes he would come out uh, behind the 18th green, waiting for some of the guys just to congratulate them and thank them for coming to the tournament and stuff. Yeah. And he would be hanging with us for a little bit, and we would do a little small talk with him, which was rare, yeah. but occasionally, yeah. you know? And it was refreshing because it was like, I get to talk to the human. Yeah. I don't want to just hear, you know, you're saying, I gave it 110% crap, you know? You have been at Tiger's biggest moments ever. Yes. You were there when really he, lucky when you think you were it. there when he debuted, which we talked about at Riv. Yes. You were there at the Open when he US won. Open. Yes. Well, the U.S. Open in 2008. Yeah. Uh, which is what I meant to say, yep. when he won on one leg. Yep. And it took, it didn't take 90, it didn't take 90 holes, it took 91. Yes, it did. A lot of people forget that Rocco and Tiger were tied after 18 on Monday and they had to play an extra playoff hole. I'll forget Monday because I drove all the way down there at 3 o'clock in the morning to beat the traffic and get there early because I was at the Lakers championship game against Boston the night before. Back this in, guy. I was going back in like a human windshield wiper. San Diego, L.A., San Diego. And I go home for three hours sleep, boom, right down the 405 yeah, all I the way. I feel so bad for you. Yes, I can yeah, tell you're Witnessing yeah. uh, NBA championships <laughs> and, and Tiger. Uh, I was tired. What do you want from me? <laughs> that, that was an amazing. I was tired. And by the way, I only did that because yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. They didn't pay me any extra for that. Well, and look at you now. You get to say Worth that it. you were there. Yes. I uh, think you'd make a little money off that book. I think it's safe to say. Yeah. and um, Especially after being on this podcast. Yeah, hey, you know, we might help. We, we're we probably going to be, you know, on well, the already, hook for you about... You promised you were going to buy 2,000 we'll probably sell, up front, which is nice. We'll yeah. probably sell 200 yeah. of those books for you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so you. You, you, you've been at all, all of them from 92 to 2008 to 2019 at Augusta, yeah. which was just... In my lifetime, the single greatest comeback in sports I've ever seen, and it has nothing to do with the fact that I love Tiger like he's my dad, uh, but it has it to do. To do with it, it, it's it was just an amazing comeback. It was I, it, when on. he won. Prior to that, the Tour Championship, 
in what was that 2018 okay that was his first big win since all the bullshit mm-hmm. when he was coming up and the and the you know they cleared the oh, ropes the crowds, and it, yeah and the crowds were crazy and he walked up 18 but that's what sort of was it was like that on a smaller scale right. and riviera in 1992 right. it was like the pied piper totally when he when he walked up and i'm and i could be wrong but yeah because he won in Augusta in 2019, so that would have been 2018, the Tour Championships, right? He yep, was, I think was, you're correct. So anyways, when he won that, I was with Steve. We were watching at my house, and my good buddy Steve. When he tapped in and put his arms up, I yep. looked at Steve, and I was like, he's winning the Masters. Mm. <laughs> really? Wow. I said that. Because, Where were you when I went on to make a play? Well, I mean, I'm not a betting man, but I, it's just... It should be. He's, <laughs> he's, a lot, he's, he's a lot like all those guys who... Freddie's one of them, Ben... Uh, you know, gentle My Ben. Everyone. Gentle Ben. You know, Freddie. Right. Je- that's a. Freddie will be in a. I said that sarcastically, by the way. If you want some Freddie stories, we'll talk about oh, that. Oh, I love Freddie stories. But Freddie's got. good ones, though. Well, yeah, everyone's okay. got some dark sides. I like a little dark, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah. Well, this isn't being dark. This is being the ultimate prick. But go ahead. Well, my buddy used to park cars at, uh, at what's now Waldo Astoria, but it used to be the. Uh, um, in New York, da- no Dana Point Resort. Before oh. that, it was the Monarch Beach Resort, and oh, it was the uh, Monarch Beach. I yeah. love that place. So they had a oh, champ- I didn't know it wasn't the Monarch Beach. They had a Champions Tour event there. Yes, um, I was there, and I, I, Freddie Arnie won was it. there. Arnie was there. Yeah, and Freddie won it uh, one of the years. Yes, and my buddy parked his his Cadillac, and he came out, and Freddie fucking won the tournament, and he came out and he stiffed my buddy who was the valet. Oh, which is that's a that's a look, tough look. We got to go back on Freddie later, or, or can I get just do one, no? We can do Freddie later. I do, I, can I do one quick Freddie story? Yeah, yeah, here? yeah okay, yeah, real yeah. quick. And then I want to tie a bow. No, tie no, no. We got to talk talk about Tiger. Go, Freddie. Go, Freddie. I got a few of them, but this is one, a quick one. Uh, he won a tournament once, and I'm sitting uh, at a, uh, a typical media room dining area, just BSing with whomever there, and I. Didn't know this person. He was, I guess, some producer for NBC Golf, right? And uh, he, we're talking, I don't know how couple's name came up, but I told him this one story that's going to be in a future volume of the book. And he's, he says, oh, you think that's bad? And I said, you got worse than that? Wow. He says, uh, well, is it a much worse if he just won a tournament and my job was just to basically go over and say, uh, whomever, it's Johnny Miller or whoever is going to come over and give you, you know, a quick comment, two, two quick questions or whatever, when it's all over. And he's basically said, fuck that. And he walked away. And he didn't even talk to the TV after he won. Wow. How's that? Bam, bam. So I've... And that's not my story. That's his oh, story. So yeah. I assume it's true. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Anyway. But I have heard this about Freddie. And, and this, this wow. is just, th- all of this is just a testament to what, great of a man uh, Arnie was because he was able to do both. I've heard from multiple people that inside the ropes, especially playing partners, Freddie was the best. You know, like he he treated the game and his playing partners with the utmost respect. Absolutely. But nothing to do with But it takes a special person to be able to carry that on to the media and the interviews and stuff because I could see how like, you know, over the years that could be tiring. I'm not giving a hall pass whatsoever. Don't get me wrong. But you know, oh, he despises uh, the media. He despises media, and the some whole, guys whole, are like that. You know, maybe you know? he's he's eased up a little bit mm-hmm. as he's aged. Yeah, but we're talking in his prime. Yeah. Oh, it was. Brutal. But what I was getting at is is you know Tiger like Freddie and a lot of guys who have such a love affair with Augusta. Yeah. You know, that's you, true. Freddie could be in a wheelchair, <laughs> and 
you're you would be if you could bet on the first round of having him in the top five, you you would bet on it because he just comes out the gates and he's always there and he fades, you know, because he just yeah. doesn't have the game anymore. Of course. But Tiger's like that too, you know. He he knows that place. He knows what not to do, which is more important than what to do. Right. And I knew that when he found his groove back at 2018 at the Coca-Cola Tour Championship, I was like, this guy's going to win Augusta because that's all he needed. He needed a glimpse of hope because he's a front runner. You know, Tiger's not a come from behind victory guy. He's a guy who wins out of intimidation and pure talent. And if, if he feels like his game is back, you put him on Augusta, I'm betting on him every time. Yeah. Okay. You know Classic what I mean? Course. Okay, well, one of the things that, uh, uh, in regards to this podcast I did in 2019 with all the former Masters champs, I had a great sit-down with Ben Crenshaw, what probably guy, huh? 30 minutes with him, uh, not all on the record, somewhere, a wonderful guy. And he lives in, in L.A. At part of the time. He has a house here somewhere. I think his daughter went goes to USC or mm-hmm. something. But anyway, he, just he a, frequents a restaurant just oh, really? down the street from us. Oh, okay, and, uh, and his wife, really nice person, just yeah. great people, yeah. right? So anyway, uh, so Ben, you know, so yeah, I'll be happy to talk to you. So we sat down in the, in a veranda area in Augusta. Veranda, uh, I like yeah, that. Yeah, a little private location, so we can get our own. We're just off where the new uh, media center is, and uh, where no noise was. We had a great conversation. And I said, "So who do you like this week?" I'm not big on that question, yeah. you know, but I, I just threw it in. And he says, uh, you know who I like this week? He says, I don't know about who's going to win, but you know who I like this week? He says, this guy named Tiger. Huh. I just watched him on the range. He says, he looks phenomenal. Great. And this was before, this was Thursday morning, okay? Mm-hmm. So the morning of the start, right? And, he, and I'm saying, okay, well, that sounds good to me. You yeah, know? Oh, that's a nice and, clip. And it was something like, nice hey, if he, if he wins this thing, you think it'll be a story? Yeah, you know, that yeah. Kind of, and we went back and forth, had fun with that. Great. And then he wins. Yes. Now, here's how I want to tie a bow on the Tigers. Yes. Game. You were at Riviera in 1992 when he debuted on the PGA Tour as a 16-year-old. You were talking to Sam Snead. At the time, Sam Snead, 82 wins, Tiger, zero. Yes. Flash forward to Riviera last year. Tiger Woods has now tied Sam Snead. 82 wins. Like, who could imagine that the kid standing on that tee box would tie the guy that you were talking to? I thought about it all week. Let me take it one step further. Yes. He's in town for Riviera, and that is when he literally cheats death, rolling his SUV down the ravine on his way to go shoot some commercial for for a golf company. But... I, you want to talk about a story that has a definitive beginning and what yeah. felt like could have been a definitive end. It starts at Riviera. It damn near ends at Riviera. And in between it, 82 wins, tying the guy that you talked to yes. who had 82 wins. I mean, what do you think of when you think of that? It's crazy. I mean, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's almost like, is life fixed in advance? I don't uh, know. I was going to say, I don't want to sound morbid, but, but. maybe that was uh, was uh, Los Angeles' way of saying, hey, Fuck you for not uh, claiming us all these years. Well, here I, we now, go. Okay, now claiming you. Now, are we talking about not showing up at Riviera all those yeah, years, he, or are you talking about moving to Florida, which was obviously for tax purposes? Well, that's true. But 
I mean, you, you know, can't fault a guy who makes to, $10 billion a year to say, I want to save eight of those billion. To this you know day, I mean? they call him on the first tee and they say, from Jupiter, Florida. I know Florida. It. And it's I like, well, it. you're not from Jupiter. You're from, from Cyprus. Nobody's from Jupiter, Florida. Look at no. the camera right you now. You might be from Jupiter, but not from Jupiter, Florida. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Ted just told us <laughs> the camera, true. you're from Cypress, California. You're an Orange County kid. Don't forget it. And yeah. you know it, that, it bugs me a little bit. I'm not an Orange County kid. I grew up in Culver City, and a proud chapter in touching greatness about that. By the way, oh, yeah, but, go Centaurs. <laughs> very good. Yeah. Now, how do you know about the Centaurs? Well, I uh, this is a tattoo for. The, I didn't go to high school there. I went to junior. High, okay, but, this is a Palms tattoo. Oh, Palms is the neighborhood adjacent to I know Culver it very City. Well. So I met my uh, wife while I lived in Palms. We got married while we lived in Palms. So we love the Palms Culver City area. When I used to go on runs, I would go run around. Uh, Culver City High School. The old Helms Bakery where they That's used to it. Be? Yes. Well, Helms, I have the real Helms Bakery. You could smell the donuts and the bread through these pages. How about it was that? An incredible place. Mm. Incredible place. Yes, here you go. He ain't lying. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. Uh, I just sold another 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The books smell like donuts I just and bread. Sold, I just sold 50 donuts. <laughs> yeah, my problem. That's go true. ahead. Let's yeah. keep it at Riviera. Yes. But let's flash forward from 1992 when Tiger debuted. Three years later, 1995, the PGA Championship, which... Yes. Uh, what, I forgot about that. Well, everyone forgets about the PGA Championship because it's not a real major. Just kidding, Elk. My boy Elk won that. I'm just kidding. The PGA Championship, unfortunately, gets shit on uh, as... Well, at that time, they were seriously considering making it not a major and turning the Players' Championship into the fourth wow. major. Really? So, there was talk. I mean, seriously, I don't know if I got to the... Like, we're voting on it. Right. But they were talking about it seriously. Mm. Because they weren't playing great venues, mm-hmm. and that's one of the issue, you yeah. know. And it was like, hey, this is a major. You got to so around that time. That's why they they uh, Ben Crenshaw had to rebuild the greens that year in '95 up to the standards of what a major is supposed to be. Right. So there's a lot of talk about that. In, in 1995, PGA Championship was there. You were there. This is the first radio network broadcast of a major, and you were the producer? In the U.S., yes, correct. Go ahead. And I, and I don't know how the hell they ever found me either. Some guy in St. Louis who turned out to be not You're not a like, lucky guy. Uh, well, timing is everything in life. <laughs> Ask me what the secret to comedy is. Uh, timing. But I want to tell you, folks. Beat me to the joke. But, <laughs> yes. but, okay. but uh, here, here's the joke. Ask, ask me what the secret to comedy is. What's the secret? Timing. To, uh, I know. <laughs> God, that was great. Uh, yeah, we'll make that a clip. Keep that in, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is why he's not a comedian. Yeah. Anyway, so... He's not uh, very funny at all. Well, plenty of golf people call themselves comedians on Instagram, and they continue to get How to How could you it. be funny when you're the butt of everyone's joke? Ted, so yeah, tell so. us about uh, 1995 being the radio producer okay. for the first major broadcast on a network in the U.S. So I get a call from some guy in Missouri uh, saying... Uh, we call it Missouri. Thank you. Um... In this country, outside of Missouri, we call it Missouri. Okay. Anyway, so uh, I don't know who this guy is. And he says, somebody recommended your name, because it's in L.A., that uh, you'd be a good guy to produce this. And I was thinking, okay, that sounds great to me. I never produced anything in my life, except for misery, you know, for yeah. something. Like that. <laughs> I'm good <at> that, too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nobody does it better. Yeah. I said, you want misery? I got a couple of weeks worth for you. You can't spell to- it, but I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, I it's like okay. So he interviewed me on the phone, and he, I said I'd love to do it. He says okay, you're you're good, and he paid me whatever it was three dollars an hour, and we did our thing, right? Well, that, was a lot, that was a lot of money back then. <laughs> 
So uh, he said, well, this is what you're going to do. We're going to have Jack Whitaker and Amy Alcott wow. as our uh, co-hosts. Wow. You know, and they're in... They're going to be in the media room with you at a special table. You're going to sit next to them Whitaker's and control the whole thing. Media guy too. Oh, the greatest, yeah. of all time. I know. I know. The wordsmith. Nobody comes close to him. No, right? He's, yeah. Okay. So I got fun stories about Jack. Jack's one of the endorsers of my book, and he just passed away a year ago. He's like ninety-five. I, saw that. I think. I saw that. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yes. By the way, great guy. By the way, I don't want to bury this either. What's that? No pun intended. Yes. Horrible, horrible. Great time. Oh, this say, is why yeah, you that, make the big that was bucks. A, yeah, yeah, that was pretty. Let me just get into a time machine and just say rest in peace to Norm McDonald, who I found out passed away right before we started yes. taping this. We're going to. Norm McDonald, the comedian? Yeah, yes. he died. Norm McDonald. No, 61. 61. Too. Very young. Now, God, that guy was cancer. Funny. He, was, he was the years. funniest. That's what oh, they said. Yeah. He, he had a he, 10 year battle of no cancer way. that he kept secret all the way up until today when we all found out. Rest in peace to Norm McDonald, one of the best. One of the funniest guys any one of us have ever heard. And when you bring up people uh, like Whitaker passing away, we, we have to give our respect to them. So uh, let's uh, let's do a little cheers to Norm. Yeah. Uh, Norm McDonald. Norm McDonald. What a guy. What a guy. Uh, Ted. Okay, so where was I? Was Sorry for that. You were uh, producing a yes. Uh, Ninety-five. Whitaker's rib. on. Yeah. So Whitaker is, is, is going to be sitting next to me with Amy Alcott, who knows Riviera better than. The guy who built the place because she grew up in Santa Monica, Hall of Fame golfer, and she was she's the one who taught Phil Mickelson how to win there. Remember, he never mm. won, he never did anything there, mm. and he she went out with him a couple of times, and you know talking about the slopes and the you got to play. Isn't it funny how that this. works, you know. So, I wouldn't know. I'm not that good. At, <laughs> Anyways, to me, well, you're lucky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. rather be lucky, be lucky than good. Than good. Yeah, 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 yeah that's a right angle special right there, baby. There that was go. me teeing up something for someone else yes, for once. Very good. That never happens. <laughs> you, you want to talk about getting lucky? This guy, <laughs> this guy setting you up to look. I can good. tell you, it's the only never time I'm going to get lucky today. I, that's for <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I hope my wife's watching. I'm feeling real lucky right now. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. So sitting next to Jack and Amy, it was just fantastic. And it's the first, remember the technology, this is 1995. Yeah. They were literally taking these big walkie-talkie things and hoping they work. And you know how Riviera's up and down, yeah, it's hilly, yeah. and some places you can't get an antenna to do this, and they had long antennas, but sometimes they'd just fizzle out and you couldn't get anything. So it was all a gamble. Every, the entire week was a gamble. Yeah. Let's go out to Joe Smith on, on 18, and, and sometimes Joe Smith wasn't there. He didn't hear us, and sometimes he did, and sometimes we yeah. heard him for 12 seconds. Hey, in golf, you never know. It's like different hey, era. the, the, the ambiance, yeah. the ambiance, the silence. Maybe. But we tried it. It was yeah. the experiment. It would, it, I was told then it was done one time at one of the Open Championships, probably that year or the year before, mm-hmm. but they'd never tried it in the U.S., so it was a blast to be a part of. And I was... Told you're not going to be in the broadcast, but you're going to have features in the broadcast, and mostly during the pregame stuff leading up, and then during dead time, whatever. We, you know, I was able to do what I wanted to do. So I interviewed Byron Nelson, who was there last time he was ever at Riviera, and it was he was in a wheelchair, and his wife was wheeling him around, and I caught up with him, and I said, Mr. Nelson, I'm Ted Sobel, I'm producing this. Would you be so kind? Very nice. Talk about nice guy. Yeah. You know, only asked a few questions. It wasn't a one-on-one sit down for 30 minutes. It was just to get a few responses to play in the few features that I was doing. Yeah. And he's one of the all-time greats at Riviera, too. Mm-hmm. Forget not just on the tour. Uh, and he, I think he beat Ben Hogan in a really important one at Riv 
one time back in the uh, mid to late, maybe it was mid 50s, I think mm. it was. Mm. Dad, uh, don't look at me like I know. I was born in 87. I thought you were there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wish I was. I wish I, I wish I had your life. Life seemed better back then. It all makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm trying to make it sensible. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was it was so great. That was the first time I ever got a chance, and only time I ever got a chance to talk to Byron Nelson, and that was yeah. awesome. Lord right? But one of the stories about Fred Couples, since he's Mr. Riviera, that week was... Bam Bam. You, you got to get Fred Couples into this show, obviously. he'd won, I think he'd won three times up to 95 already yeah. at Riv, something like yeah. that. Right? That was his era, too, you know? Yeah. So and, it was like, and by the way, everyone knows Bam Bam's from Seattle. Yes. Boom Boom. We claim him. It's Boom Boom, yeah, not Bam Bam. Bam Bam from Seattle, and we all love him. And you call him Bam Bam for what reason? Because you've boom had boom. too many drinks, or what? Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, this is a... Uh, this I hope is, at least he's got an excuse yeah. this time. <laughs> you know, if you Google Fred Couple's nickname, Bam Bam comes up. So Not, I, not I, on my computer. <laughs> I, I, I went off of that once, and uh, at, at Riviera... He still has an AOL... Email. Oh, wow. So uh, it's a callback, Bam Bam, to uh, a time that I called him Bam Bam on a Christmas show that we did once. Okay. And I called him Bam Bam. I was so sure of it when I called him it because... Really? Yeah. There's literally from a Seattle, golf club line. Sure? There's literally a golf club line from Lynx, Freddie Couples sponsor at the time, that's called Boom Boom. I would like, hope. it's engraved in fucking golf clubs that his nickname's Boom Boom. I love Bam Bam because... Yeah. <laughs> that's the Flintstones. But yeah, that's, that's yeah. Fun. Now, but there's no professional golfer from Seattle. Well, Kyle Stanley, but he... Ooh, I got a great Kyle Stanley story, too. Whoa. I think me and you were the only guys who have heard of Kyle Stanley. Oh, I got the greatest Kyle Stanley story. Well, he he, he struggled. We'll get to that, but let's finish this story. We'll get to the Kyle... Well, the reason that I love uh, Bam Bam so much is because he's from Seattle. There's not a lot of people... That play golf from Seattle besides Bam Bam and uh, Kyle Stanley. Okay. Yeah, people don't succeed from Seattle most. Well, take it easy. <laughs> uh, okay, so what's your Kyle Stanley story? No, well, first let's do the couples thing at, yeah. at 95 Riv. 95 Riv. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mr. Riviera. So my you job, call him Mr. Riviera, I call him Bam Bam. Okay, well, he was, you know, they call it Hogan's Alley. It really was Couples Alley for several years. Right. Right? I mean, he owned the joint. And he's got a great smile, and he signs autographs, and everybody loves him. Until reality sets in, but that's fine. So, Whoa, so I had so much. So, so I get to Riviera on Monday morning of that week. Yep. Very early, right? Because I'm producing the damn radio, so I need to get whenever guys are coming in. I want to. They, they literally the parking lot for the players is like 15 feet away from the entrance to the. To their clubhouse, which right? is so great about Riv. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just old school. It's, you know, it's just, it is what it is. It's great. I'll take it to so, um, I'm hoping to run into a hand. I got a list of guys I need to talk to. Yeah, you're checking couples, out the boxes. And Couples is right on top of the list. Of course. I mean, if I don't talk to Fred Couples, like I'm not doing my job. Right. 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 So here comes Fred with his clubs. Boom. Literally. Yeah. Bam bam. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he, he shows up. He shows up with his clubs, and he's walking at the little entrance into into the clubhouse, right, to the locker room. And it's right there. So I'm standing there, and I say, Fred. And I'd seen him before, and that's another long story. Fred, do you have one minute, please? Uh, I'm producing the... And he said, fuck you, I'm out of here. Almost. (laughs) No, he's... (laughs) <laughs> that was NBC. <laughs> I'm not that important. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, no, he looks at me and he goes, what do you need? And I said, well, I'm the 
producer for the radio. We're, the first time we're ever doing network radio in a major. And I said, you own this place, and I just need to ask you like three or four questions. Mm-hmm. That's it. Not a one-on-one sit down, take four hours of your time. Just get a couple of and you know these aren't. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to answer yeah. these questions. Just generic stuff. Give it to me so Super I can. Cuts so I can. Shops, <laughs> so like I that. can edit it in. Yeah. We're good. I spoke to Fred Couples. Boom. He goes. Can you get me tomorrow? Tomorrow. And I said, "That's what I said." Tomorrow. Yeah. I said it's like eight thirty in the morning on Monday. Yeah. I said, uh, "There's nobody here. Let's just get out of the way now." No, 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 uh, get me later, come back tomorrow, or you'll, you'll run into me, that kind of a thing. Wow. And I said, I really need you now. And he says, I'm sorry, I'm busy. He's busy, he just showed up, right? Yeah. And he just walked in there and blew me off. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe, you know, maybe I'll get him tomorrow. And I'm going through my list, getting everybody, including Jack, who was playing in that right. Uh, one, right? Um, Jack. So I, I got what I needed. And the last guy on my list. And I already got Byron Nelson. Totally stiffed me. Totally stiffed me. Unbelievable. I saw him one time, and I think he caught my eye, and he just walked into the room like I wasn't standing there. Right? That's not the bad Fred Couple story. That's the good Fred Couple story. The bad one happened at at the Shark Shootout before it was Tiger's event at Sherwood. But that's a separate issue. So we were talking about this Riv 95. So it was so good. Except for the tech, we had tons of technical problems mm-hmm. because that's just, it was an experiment. That was the era. Yeah. So we just knew it was yeah. going to happen. Yeah. It was like, I had to live with it. And Jack that's was when incredible. TV was still square, not, yes. like, not case, quite, not know? quite. Well, when I think of Riv 95, yes. I think solely of Steve Elkington, a.k.a. Elk, yes. my favorite golfer of all time, my best friend of all time. I love Elk. <laughs> uh, Elk is the man. And uh, wow, what, what, a, what an amazing four rounds that he played. Elk. What do you got to say about Elk? Uh, I didn't know Elk at all. Uh, you took a great picture with him. Yes, I did. I saw him the last time I was at Riv. I saw him standing in front. He was talking to somebody. And I walked over and I said, uh, I'm doing a book and I got a long story about this 95. I said, it'd be great to get a picture with you at the Hogan Trophy, at mm-hmm. the uh, uh, right, statue. Right. statue. So we did. And yeah. he was real nice. We had a nice chat. And he gave me a little insight about what was going on that final round. So I think his wife was pregnant at the time. Yes. And by the way, Elk, I think he tipped his caddy like 100 G or something. So he did learn that from his from Fred. Elk or is, Tiger. Yeah, go ahead. Elk is extremely generous with his money, and he knew he could change his caddy's life. He's, he, the because sto- of that win, you mean? Yes. The story Elk told me was... The PGA Championship changed my life, so I'm going to change the life of my caddy. Well, that's nice. And he did. And and Elk is one of these guys. You want to talk about old school. Elk is old school. Jackie Burke is his mentor. Like, he is straight up old school. He wears the Foot Joy Classics. Elk does. He loves this company. Uh, this company? Yes. Oh, he said he wants to come on this show. Yeah. And I'm sure after seeing you on here, he probably will now. Yes. No doubt. Yes. Ted who? Hey, leave a book. Leave a book for him. I'll give it to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, if he leaves me when he left his caddy, I'll leave him ten books. <laughs> no, Elk is a very I'll generous take 20 guy. Twenty fucking dollars. Uh, I'm just saying that. Dude. He's he's a very good guy. So, um, <laughs> this book. Thanks, Elk, for the picture. By the way, that was fun. Two hundred and fifty-eight pages. Yet there was so much more left on the cutting room floor. You have gone to the cutting room floor. You've picked it up and you've said, "I'm going to make volumes two and three. Correct. Correct. Yes. 
So we've got more touching greatness coming out. And many more golf stories. Now shoot me straight, Ted. Because, by the way, this chapter, the only uh, golf chapter per se is Tiger. It's it's basically the Tiger story right. and how he's intertwined in yeah. my career. Yeah. Um, the rest of it that's going to be in a future volume is other golf stuff. The Bill Haas story, the right, couple right. stories, yes. the whatever. Anyway. Yeah. So speaking prematurely here, yes. Ted, if I may. We're about three quarters of the way through our experience together here today. Okay, three quarters. I'd like, <laughs> I'd like to ask you, yes. what is the over-under here for us sneaking in as a company and a podcast here into Volume 3? Is that a possibility? Sneaking into it? Yeah, yeah let's like, get us into Volume 3. No, I, I would love to talk about anything. Uh, by the way, Ted, you've done a lot I of said these. To you, I said to you all that stuff. <laughs> no, you did. Yeah. But, Ted... I've you're a friend of mine. You've been a friend of mine for a long time. We've talked. We've traded texts. We run into each other. We're friends. What was you, his name again? You, you have to admit, you've never <laughs> had more fun talking about your book and your life than with us. Correct? No doubt. Okay, great. No doubt. So uh, take that, ABC Seven. Who else has interviewed you? CBS Two, Jim Channel, Hill, Channel Five. Not Jim. He, uh, it was not Jim introduced it. But okay. he didn't do the interview. Okay. You ever seen Lisa, Jim Lisa put a hat on his afro? It's it's amazing. It's like he looks like uh, who was the first baseman on the Dodgers? Eddie uh, Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray. Remember he had that little afro when he first joined oh, yeah. the team and it's sticking out of the hat. I That's kind it. of the Jim Hill look. I yeah. Like by that. the way, Eddie's a hell of a golfer. Fuck yeah, is he? Is. Really good. Jim golfer. Hill, hell of a broadcaster. Yes, he is. He's been doing it for a while. The one thing I love about Jim is he goes to all the games. Jim is he's always there. Oh, he's the he's isn't he the dean? Uh, Jim Hill. Take it easy. That's Fred Rogan. Fred Rogan's the Jim dean. Hill was here first. Well, but... So what does dean mean? My loyalty is to Fred. Mm. Dean is a four-letter word, I guess. Well, okay. Anyway, a lot of great L.A. broadcasts. Just, I'm just bringing I, that out. And all I'm saying, Ted... <laughs> I'm on Ted's side. On okay, side. Ted. <laughs> yes, sir. You've been on all these shows. You come Fred here. Rogan's such a great friend of yours. Let's get him on the show. Fred would love to do it. We'd probably have to take Are the you show... Are speaking for him now? Yes, I am. We'd probably have to take <laughs> the show to Burbank. Fred wouldn't drive all the way to... San Clemente to do this show. By the way, thank you for coming all the way of down. Of course. That was very nice My of helicopter you. picked me up. Yeah. Yep. Um, dropped me off in Culver City. Yeah. I had to hitchhike the rest of the way. We got a gift card for you that you can use at Chevron stations for your Oh, that's phenomenal. Yes, yes. Anyway, um, <laughs> of all the shows that you've done, I know, Ted, you had a lot of fun doing this one. I love doing this. Okay, great. So I'll be back tomorrow. Yeah, we'll have you. That's <laughs> no, we answer. would. You we, won't be here, but I'll be here. Yeah. <laughs> I would knock on the door. Ted, we, we would love to have you. Yeah. In seriousness, the book is called Touching Greatness. It's 258 pages of greatness, if I might add. Thank you. Ted. Let, uh, let's speak on the book. One one more time, real quick. So it's basically five more times is fine. Yeah, no, it's basically a collection of your stories. In how would you describe it, Adam? In in the structure of it, uh, I would say that Ted does these. It's a great hybrid of rapid fire stories, but really in depth with the paragraphs that you do. So you get a really great story in a short amount of time. Then you get like a fun fact and a did you know. Yeah, a lot of it's fun facts and did you know throughout the book. Yes. Yeah, I think that breaks it up to make it an easier read. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And um, and the book just flows. And if you like sports and you like behind the scenes. And music. And, and music. Everything. And if you're more fascinated by what these guys are as human beings as opposed to what they do in the box score, it's a great book. It's also a really great insightful look at what it's like to be a guy that has covered it for decades and decades um it's such a fun fun read and 
to hear about it at Riviera in 2018 and then to be able to hold it now is great. Isn't it's, it almost weird? It's great. It's like it actually exists. And to know that I was sick of talking about it, believe yeah. me. And to know that, because when, when a lot of people say I'm writing a book, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Sure you are. <laughs> uh, but you told me, and you actually did it, and you have uh, multiple, uh, multiple, multiple more volumes coming out, which is great. I'm going to drench myself in this. You say you like to bring this to all of your... Uh, yes. Your, uh, you never look better on camera, shirts. by yeah, the way. Yeah, I look great right now, don't I? You look What's the significance of the little guy standing next to Kobe? <laughs> uh, that used to be me. <laughs> Has anyone ever told you you look like Freddie Couples? No one's ever told me I look like Kobe either. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Um, actually, I think I heard that a long time ago. Did you really? But Fred never said that to me. Of course he, he was did. too busy telling yeah. me to go screw myself. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love it. I love that you came on here. You were candid. Um, we do love the book. And thank you. When you and it, it is a memoir, by the way. The first half of the book is growing up in L.A. It actually it starts out and it's called from the big inning mm-hmm. instead of the beginning mm-hmm. because uh. it talks about my dad working at Yankee Stadium when Babe Ruth played. Here's, and then him telling me stories, uh, getting me into sports. As we wrap this up, here's one of my favorite things you told me about writing the book. Yes, is. Your dad died when you were 19. Yes. And he died young. 55. 55. Um, What you told us before we started taping was this has been a great experience and a great uh, kind of time for people who are like, man, your dad sounded like a cool guy. So this has been a really cool way for you to remember your dad and for people who didn't know him to talk about him. And in part one, we brought up Bernie a lot. He's the he's the person that told you to start playing golf. He's the one that made a hole in one on his first round. So you get <laughs> to con- yeah. Well, don't let's not call I Bernie. Believe a liar. No, I, no, believe, no. I believe it. No, I believe him because I believe you. Now, <laughs> now you get to relive your dad through this book. Totally, that's amazing. It's phenomenal. It's the best part of the book. I wrote more for my parents than I wrote for me. My mother died in 2013. Shirley, Sherry, Sherry. That's yeah, fine. Edit that out. Take that out. <laughs> I was close. Sherry, Sherry and Bernie. My mother is going to haunt him yeah. for the rest of his life. So As she should. Exactly. Yeah. That's all right. A few drinks, she could be... Shirley Temple is what that's not. Well, yeah, no, yeah, it, yeah. it definitely is not. No, no but I, I wrote it as much for them as for me. And my publisher at Coach's Choice said to me, Jim Peterson, who's the, who's the boss who owns the company, he said, the day he accepted that I could, he was going to publish this book, he said, Ted... Whatever happens, this is your legacy, and your parents, who aren't here anymore, will be unbelievably proud of this. Yeah, and I agree and with And it's him. a neat, neat feeling. Yes. Like, you love awesome. to talk about your grandmother and all that? Is and his grandpa. Around? No, no, no. Okay. But uh, same, same kind of feeling. It's, it's, but, I mean, know, when you get to talk about them in a public way, yes. it's like you're telling people that never met them and never would. They live on. That's like, hey, this is who they were. This is part of my life. This Absolutely. is in my blood. Absolutely. That's it. That's what this whole yeah. company is about. That's what your book is yep. about. It's great. Uh, Ryan, we have a we have a gift for Ted. Ted. Uh-oh. You can file is this in your... a cigar? No. You, you can file this in your cylinder file when you get home. Uh-oh. If you wish. But uh, every guest that comes I, on the I show... I buried my first goldfish in something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you no. Know? Every Speaking guest, uh, we present them with a smoking tom, beautiful uh, lapel pen, I and wear uh, it with pride. That, that's, that's, sure, that's, my, uh, that's my grandfather there. He's a company's insignia, and uh, Mr. Lichen. Mr. Lichen, and uh, I like him a lot. Yeah, you, you would have liked him. He he was a he was a good dude, and he was part of that era that we uh, love so much. And 
I want to thank you personally for coming on the show today and wasting your time with us. Today. <laughs> yes. Um, this is this was our pleasure. One hundred percent. You tell some great stories. Yeah. The book is touching greatness. Get it wherever you get books from, and let's cheers to the fellowship. Cheers to Bernie, the fellowship, and touching greatness. And by the way, you can still find Bernie Sobel of California dresses. He made women's clothing no online from the 60s on eBay. Wow. It's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. where we're going. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, let's go. Cheers. Let's go. Cheers. What a fucking touch right there, dude. That was awesome. <laughs> that was good. I loved it.